0: Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast, helping you invest in property for freedom, choice, and profit. You'll learn new, innovative, and multiple streams of property income, whether you want to start, scale, or systemize, and even if you don't have deposits. Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to share with you the seven tricks that estate agents use that you need to be aware of. Overall, estate agents and letting agents are very good at helping you to buy, sell or rent properties. But there is some tricks that you need to be aware of as they are also geniuses at making sure that they can get the best commission they can get out of you and squeeze that little bit extra to make sure that they not just get paid, but get paid quickly. So, without wasting any time, let's go straight into tip number one. Losing the keys. Estate agents, even though they've got great systems and great processes, and generally have a key cupboard where they lock away all the keys and know exactly which key is for which property, sometimes they tend to lose keys. Now, why do they lose keys? Well, I thought I'd share a little story with you around one that's personally happened to us in the last couple of weeks, and it'll give you an idea of one of the reasons why they lose keys. And there's a few different reasons I'll go through. I own my own letting agency, and a few weeks ago, I spoke to a landlord who had a property up for let with a competing agent in our town, and he'd, they'd been struggling to find him a tenant. I said, I think we can get that property let quite quickly for you, and would you be interested in allowing us to also have an opportunity to let the property. So what he agreed to do was to give us the opportunity to let the house but also keep the current agent and see which one of us could let the property first. So we arranged to one of our staff to go to the competing agency's shop to collect the keys. When we got there they gave us a set of keys to go to the property and let ourselves in so we could get our photographs for advertising. When my staff member got to the property The keys didn't work couldn't open the door he went back to the letting agency they apologized they gave him a second set of keys the second set of keys also didn't work so we rang the landlord we said we couldn't get access to the property he spoke to the agents the agents said that it's not their fault that we couldn't access the property that we clearly had either visited the wrong house or the keys weren't working we weren't trying them properly in the door But there was no issue with the keys so at this point the landlord's complaining that we're not very good at what we do and we said listen we've tried the keys we're at the right property we're professionals we know what we're doing there's another problem but what we ended up having to do was go to the property and take a live video at the property showing us put the keys into the door and it not work and then go to the garage and test the garage door that did work and did open so we sent this to the landlord and the landlord went went back to the agency the other agency and said look at they've definitely got the right keys they opened the garage door this has taken about 10 to, to just over 10 days almost 2 weeks where the property is sitting empty at this point the agents admitted that what they had actually done was changed the locks on the house and didn't inform us and didn't give us the current keys. Now, why would they do that? Well, their plan, quite simply, was to try and find a tenant for the property and let the house out before we found one so that they'd get their commission. So they're worried about missing out on their commission. Now, we knew we had tenants lined up. They knew we had a tenant lined up. So they couldn't afford to allow us to get actually get access. So they... Lost the keys, gave us the wrong keys, pretended they didn't have the keys. So it's a trick you need to be aware of with agents. They'll do that quite a lot to make sure they don't miss out on commissions. Because at the end of the day, letting agents, estate agents, they're not professional landlords. They're salespeople who get paid on commission. Obviously, the agents done this for fear of missing out on their commission, but they clearly showed that they had no interest or worries about the landlord missing out on his rent. The landlord missed out on over two weeks rent that he could have been receiving had he allowed us to enter the property and let his property out to another tenant. What this actually resulted in was that the landlord eventually took the property off the other agency and gave us the sole management of the property. Now the property's let out and he's happy. Letting agents aren't the only ones that lose keys estate agents can lose keys as well. Why would an estate agent lose keys of a property if somebody wanted to view that could potentially buy? Well, there's a couple of reasons. And reason number one is, maybe they've already had an offer on the property and that offer has been accepted by the homeowner. Now, if the agent is on a fixed fee, they can see their fee coming to them at this point. But maybe... The per- you're coming in or the person that's coming in that wants to view the property is unknown to the agent. And the person who's bid on it and had their bid accepted might be somebody who's already previously bought a property with that estate agency. So they've got a track record. And the agents know that they're the type of person that is likely to complete, allowing them to get their fee. So what can happen sometimes when you visit an agency is they'll say things like, Um, we don't have a viewer available for the next few days or we can't find the keys or the keys are out with the viewer and we'll have to wait till they come back and they'll send you round in rings keeping you from being able to see inside the property which means that you then can't put an offer in because the agents won't allow you to offer on a property that you've not seen. Now that's one reason they may do it because they've got that preferred buyer Second reason they may do it is because their buyer, even though they might not be the preferred buyer who's bought before, the buyer may well be getting a mortgage from the mortgage broker who's based out of that agency, who the agency have a relationship with. But what the agents see here is the chance to get more commission. So they get the commission for selling the house and they also get the commission for the mortgage brokerage on the property. Now if you're coming in to view the property and you're going to offer on it for a purchase but not use their mortgage broker then they're not going to get as big a fee from you. So a way to prevent you from getting that offer in is to lose the keys. So just be aware of that trick when agent says I can't find the keys. They know where the keys are trust me. So be a little bit more forthright with them and say look at I'm not going until I view the property. I really want to view this property. I'm really interested in this property. And make sure that they let you. Don't just take their I've lost the keys answer as their answer because they have not lost those keys. Trick number two, getting you excited and making you feel like you have to act and you have to act now. It's very important to remember that most estate agents and letting agents are not property investors. They're salespeople and their job is to get commission as I said already. So what they are focused on is generally a lot of them are paid as a basic salary plus commission. And if they don't get deals done, they don't get paid that commission. So they'll get you excited about putting an offer in. They'll tell you there's other offers on the property when there may not be. They'll tell you that the owner's about to take the property off the market when they're not actually about to take the property off the market. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to build inside you what I call FOMO, F-O-M-O, Fear of Missing Out. And this results in some of the following things. Offering more money than you were planning to offer when you're buying a property, or maybe when you're doing a guaranteed rent on a rent-to-rent on a property. Or... Number two is possibly taking less money when you're the seller of a property. They can use the fear of missing out where they say they've got a buyer who really wants to buy your property but they may be also looking at another house and if you don't accept the low offer, that buyer is going to be gone in a couple of days time. Or number three, sometimes what an agent will do is they'll push for what's called sealed bids. Where they know that there's one or two or maybe a few more people interested in a property, or they want a preferred buyer to get the property, and what they'll do is they'll propose to the seller that they offer the property on sealed bids. Now how sealed bids works is everybody has to put a bid in an envelope or email it in, but it's not looked at, and that bid has to go in by a certain time of day. And what they then do is they'll take the highest bid. Now what this means is that everyone bidding on the property doesn't know what everyone else is bidding. So they'll put in their highest offer. And quite often with a sealed bid scenario, and people have that fear of missing out, they'll put in an offer higher than what they'd wanted to originally put in just to try and be the highest offer. But here's the interesting thing about sealed bids. I've been involved in some sealed bid processes and I know I mentioned that nobody is meant to see the price but I want to tell you a little story and this is about relationships with estate agents. You see in one of the sealed bid scenarios I was involved in we had to have our bids in by 12 o'clock on I can't remember which day of the week was it was a midweek let's call it Thursday and we had to have our offers in by 12 o'clock on the Thursday and I rang the agency at around 11, just before 11, and said, have we had any offers in already? To which they said yes. And I said, okay, I'm going to put an offer forward. I'll email it in. If I email in an offer of 92,000, will it be the highest offer? To which the lady on the other end of the phone, now she's got staff in the agency, so she can't tell me stuff. But what she can say over the phone so nobody sees her is yes or no. So, when I mentioned 92 grand, she said no. So, I knew that wouldn't be the highest offer. So, then I said, Should I go higher? And she said, Yes. Now, I then said, Has all the bids been in that you're expecting? She said, No. I said, Okay, I'll ring back in about a half an hour. So, I put the phone down and I rang back at about 20 to 12. And I said, have all the bids come in that you're expecting to come in? And she said, no. So I said, "Okay, I'll ring back in 15 minutes. I put the phone back down. I rang back again at about 10 to 12. Now, remember, the last bid has to be in by 12 o'clock. I said, have all the bids come in that you're expecting to come in? She said, yes. Then I said, great. If I was to offer 95 grand, would it be the highest? No, was the response. What about 96? No. 98? No. Now I'm thinking, okay, if I offer just over 100, would it be the highest? To which she said, yes. So I said 101. She said, yes. I said, great, thank you. I put the phone down and I emailed my bid in at just over hundred and one thousand pounds guess what i got the highest bid so you may sometimes feel that sealed bids are sealed bids however quite often it's so the agent can give the person they want to get the property the property now why would they do that well number one is they're not really doing anything wrong because i did offer the highest bid I offered more than other people put in. So the homeowner is not getting um, less money for their house, they're getting more money. But the reason the agents do it is because they want certainty of commission. So they want to go with me because they know I'll complete the purchase. This is the key reason why they do it. It's not bad tactics which cost a homeowner money, it's just smart by the agent. It guarantees them their commission and it guarantees the homeowner their sale. But also, it is still actually the highest price. But just don't think that it is really a sealed bid. Because quite often it's not. Another way the estate agents use the fear of missing out is to tell you that there's another offer on the property or someone else is interested when there really actually isn't. What you should always do in this scenario is ask them for proof. Get them to show you that there is actually another bid on the property. Now, sometimes they won't be able to do that or they might say they can't do that, but they, they can if they really have to. If you've got a good relationship with an agent, they'll show you an email that's coming on a bid or they'll show you a letter that's been sent out confirming an offer, because they send out an, a confirmation of offer letter. If you've got a relationship with the agent, there's no reason why they shouldn't show you that. The only thing they shouldn't show you is the name of the person who's bid. but they can show you the actual wording of a letter and the address of the house. If you do have a bid accepted, don't let the agents continue to market that property. Because if you let them continue to market the property, you're at risk of losing money with the solicitor costs, with um, broker costs. So what you can do to do that is, a couple of agents that I know have introduced what's called a goodwill charter. And a goodwill charter is you would pay some money up front to the agency and they would haul that money meaning to, to show that you're serious meaning that then cancel other viewings. Some agents you could just get, get them to cancel other viewings so they have a policy of as soon as they have an offer accepted they'll stop doing viewings. That's actually affected me with a property I wanted to view recently where I had booked a viewing but somebody came in the day before my viewing and put an offer in for the property that was accepted. The agents rang me up, said, we've had an offer accepted. I was saying to them, can I please still view it? I'm really interested. I may put a higher offer in. And they're saying, no, and the offer's been accepted by the owner, and the owner has said they don't want to do any more viewings. So they literally wouldn't let me view the house, even though I was going to put a higher offer in. Now, part of that reason was it was a new agent to me. So I hadn't built a relationship with them yet. Had it been one of the current agents that I use, then that relationship I had with them, they may well or should have let me view that house. So it's about building that relationship and getting the agents to know you. A second thing you can do if you've got an offer accepted is to have what's called a lockout agreement. So the lockout agreement you can sign with the agents and or the homeowner and that will give you a period of time to buy that property before they allow anybody else to view the house. So I always try and use something like this with an agency. Which then prevents anybody else coming in and gazumping me on that property purchase. What can happen quite a lot. Expect, especially in areas of the, of the market or in the country where house prices are moving a lot. So when you have that offer accepted. Make sure you've got something in writing to try and stop other viewings from happening. So you don't miss out on that deal. Trick number three. Talking you out of the best deal for you. Never let an estate agent know your bottom price when selling or your top price when buying. Remember they get paid commission. So if they know your bottom price when you're selling a house or your top price when buying, you basically made their job easy for them. Because they will push for a sale or a purchase at the price you've mentioned. Agents quite often tell sellers not to accept a higher bid. They talk them out of a higher bid. Why would they do that? Because back to the same reason of they tell them that the other bid has a better chance of going through to completion. Because at the end of the day a bid is just a bid. It doesn't mean that the deal is going to go through to completion. In fact, two out of three sales probably go through. One out of three sales actually falls through between bid and exchange and completion. So agents will give these facts to homeowners and say the higher bid is more risky. You take the lower bid, you're more likely to get that completion. You take the higher bid, there's a chance that the property may go back on the market and the person with the lower bid will have gone and bought something else so they'll no longer be there. So don't let agents use this trick on you. Make sure you stick to your guns And make sure that if you are selling a house, you take the highest bid. That's Mainly, they've got a fixed commission. If they're on a fixed commission, they're going to go with whichever bid is the most likely to complete. If you're buying a property, don't push for higher prices. Don't let them know your higher price. I've got a three-step system for buying a house. And it's even, even odd in my offers, and this is something I learned at Progressive Property on their trainings. I put an even number bid in as my first bid. Then I put a second even number bid in. Don't put your highest bid in first. Your, high, your first bid is pretty much always going to be rejected. So, even bid first, very low. Second even bid, a little bit higher. Then an odd number bid. And the odd number bid, for instance, something like, you know, 122,496 quid just a random number. The agents will say, why such a random number? And you say to them, I've done my numbers and that's to the penny as high as I can go. They now know that that is your ceiling, that is your top bid and you're not going any higher. And they'll pass that message on to the owners because quite often with an agent, if they're not on a fixed commission, they'll be saying to the owner, they've put in another even number bid like 187 grand I think we can get another few thousand out of them. I don't think they're at the end yet. But when you do an odd number bid, they now know that that's your ceiling. That's your final price and stick to it. Trick number four, selling you extra advertising. If your home is on the market or you're trying to sell a property and it's struggling to get a sale, maybe you need to change your tactics or maybe you need to change your agents. And quite often when a home isn't selling, what the agents will do is tell you that they can do extra advertising for you if you pay them more money. Now, here's the question you should be asking yourself. You've hired them to sell your home. Why are they not doing all the advertising they possibly can to get your home sold in the first place? If you are selling a property, it's always a good idea to agree a fixed flat rate fee with the agent plus commission and the commission will be based on how quickly they can find you a buyer plus or how high of a price they can get you for the property. So they get extra for selling within a certain period of time and extra for selling over and above a certain price. Don't fall for them telling you that their fees are fixed. Their fees are never fixed. Always negotiate, haggle with them to get your fees fixed structured in the way that you want them structured i'm not saying haggle with them so that they sell your house on the cheap for you we want to pay the agents and we want to pay the agents well but we want to pay them for doing the job that we want them to do for us so structure it as i said with the initial payment within commissions so how quickly they sell it what over what price they sell it for That structure means you've now got the agent working for their fee, working for you. Quite often, I'll give them a bonus payment at the end and they'll know about it up front. Give them stuff. When you sell the house, bring them in a bottle of champagne, bring them in some chocolates, whatever it may be. Give them a day out at the races, something extra. Because remember, you're not just going to be selling one house with them. Over your lifetime as a professional property investor, you'll be selling and buying a number of properties through the agents in your area. So always look after them, always make sure they're paid well, but don't pay them well for not doing the job that you want them to do for you. Trick number five, incorrect valuations. Now how is incorrect valuations a trick? Surely incorrect means they've made a mistake and it's not a trick. Well not necessarily. So when it comes to agents, they tend to be three types of agents and they all value properties in a different way. Let me explain. So agents number one, they've got a policy where they will offer homeowners a valuation that's above market value and they incentivize the agents to sign a long term contract sole agency for say six months by promising them that the house is worth X amount and they can get them a sale at that price. Now, what that agent's job is, is to get the owner of the house tied into that fixed six-month contract and then manage their expectations down on price over that six-month period. You see, the thought process is once we've got them on the books, we can get a sale for them. But if we come in too low with the price and don't get them on the books in the first place, then we're guaranteed not to get paid. So it's a little trick you've got to be aware of, overvaluing a house. Agent number two, what they'll do is they'll generally value the house correctly. So they'll value it around the average price that houses are selling for in the area. And this is the most trustworthy type of agent, but also the, the agencies that maybe don't have as much properties on their books. So they tend to not have as many properties on their windows because people quite often will go for the higher price because they chase the money, they see the money and they think that's the price they get. The price a house is advertised at is never the sold price. That's just the advertised price. Agent number three, the third type of agent, what they do is they tend to come in low. So they come in with a low price for a property. And why would they do this? Well, their aim is to not have to manage you down on price over a six-month period but they want to get the property secured on a price and get it sold quickly so they'll come in with a low valuation a low price aim to get you tied into a contract and then get the property onto their window and sold and off their window with the Commission in the bank as quick as possible so three different ways to be aware of on how estate agents will value properties it's always a great idea if you are selling a house to make sure that you get three different estate agency quotes. So you'll start to see the difference between the three. And then pick the one where you're getting around the average because they're going to be the most genuine valuation for that house. Now, if you're buying a house, make sure that you are aware of the different type of agencies in the town. So what I have tend to do is I've, I've generally asked every agent in our town to value a house for me over a period of time and they'll value the property and I know what my houses are worth I know the prices on my streets we can do comparables off net house prices off right move I mean at the end of the day that's all the agents valuer does in the in the first place anyway and I've worked out which agents are the ones that price a little bit high which ones are a bit cheap now when I'm doing negotiations to buy houses with these agents I'll sometimes tend to try and meet the vendors and Let the vendors know, especially if you're doing direct-to-vendor marketing where you're not speaking directly to the agents, is have a conversation with the vendors and explain how agents value houses. This can really help you get your offer accepted. Trick number six, getting you to sign a long-term sole agency contract or charging you up front. Don't be fooled into signing a long-term Sole agency contract. Generally, these tend to be six to 12 months. Most agents do a six month contract. They'll tell you that you have to sign the contract. You absolutely do not. Do not sign yourself into a contract like that to then be tied in for six months with an agent who's not performing and doing what you've asked them to do or what you expected from them. So make sure you've got the flexibility to be able to move agents. Now it's not a good idea to advertise your house with two different agents at the same time because some people think this is a great idea but actually it's not and the reason it's not is because neither agent will do as much advertising because they'll spend money on advertising only to lose that property potentially to the competing agent. So what they tend to do is not advertise it as much. So I'm not saying put it on with two agents. What I'm saying is don't be tied into a fixed six-month contract. Say to the agents they've got sole sale of it, but not on a tied-in contract. The second trick, as mentioned, is that they'll charge you up front. Now, this mainly happens with with the online agents. High street agents tend to sign you into long-term contracts and charge you at the end once they've got the sale. But a lot of the online agents, what they do is they charge you up front, but at a fraction of the cost of what a high street agent would sell that property for you, so they entice you in with the lower fees. Now, high street agents, in my area, it's like one and a half percent or a minimum fee. High street agent, one and a half percent on a hundred and fifty grand house is fifteen hundred quid. An online agent, they'll sell your house for six seven hundred pounds, and they entice you in thinking I'm going to save a thousand pounds here by going with the online agent. But in fact, what you've done is you've paid them up front. What that means is they've got no incentive. They're not incentivized to advertise your house. They're not incentivized to chase viewings. They're not incentivized to find you a buyer. You've already paid them. I love online agents because quite often we will market direct to the vendors of an online agent. And when we speak to the vendors, the homeowner, they're very often disheartened with the whole process. They feel they've spent money and they've got nothing for it. And now they can't afford to go to the high street agent because they've already spent the money they had on the cheaper option. What we can do is, is secure and negotiate creative deals. So no money down type strategies with these properties where the owner gets the price they're looking for and we get the opportunity to control and own that property over a period of time. Works really, really well, creative strategies when you're looking at deals that are on with online agents. And finally, trick number seven, convincing you to use their recommended mortgage broker. One of the first questions that an estate agent will ask you when you come into their shop looking to view properties is, are you a cash buyer or do you need a mortgage? Now, a lot of people that I speak to, they think that the reason they ask that is they're trying to figure out if you're a serious investor or not, if you're ready to move. But in fact, that's not the reason they ask you that question. The main reason that they ask you that question is they're trying to find out if you need a mortgage. And if you do need a mortgage, they then offer you the opportunity to speak to their in-house mortgage broker or a mortgage broker that they've got a relationship with. Why would they do that? Extra commission. They get paid by the seller for getting you to buy the house and they get paid by you for the application for the mortgage. So they're getting double commission. This is the reason why they ask that question. The problem for you in this scenario is that quite often the mortgage broker that they have in house or that they recommend is not an independent mortgage broker. And they don't have access to what's called whole of market lending. What this means is that there's a limited number of lenders that they can go to. This costs you more money, not just on the fees, but it costs you on not being able to get the best mortgage product for you at the time that you're looking for that mortgage. While you may find that paying for a mortgage broker is good, and quite often it is, I'm not saying don't pay for a mortgage broker to find you a mortgage. But there is a lot of mortgage brokers out there who are fee-free. And the reason they're fee-free is they don't charge you a fee because they're already getting paid by the lender for finding you a mortgage. If you ever check your mortgage paperwork and read through it when you get your offer letter, it'll state in there the fee that the mortgage broker is getting for setting up the mortgage for you. Now, paying a mortgage broker is great. I don't say don't pay it. I've paid mortgage brokers to get me mortgages but it's when they add value. I've only ever paid a mortgage broker to get me a mortgage though, when they have got access to the whole of market lending. Whatever the agents tell you, it is not always best to use an in-house broker. It won't speed the process up any more than using your own broker. Now I say this, I'm not saying don't ever use an in-house broker, and I'm not saying don't use them on certain scenarios because in fact there is some scenarios when you sh- probably should use an in-house mortgage broker. And one of those is if you're purchasing a repossession. I always like to use the in-house broker in an agent if I'm buying a repossessed property. Why? Well, with a repossessed property, what the agents have to do, because it's a repossession, they have to be seen to get the best price possible for that house. And what they'll do once your offer is accepted by the corporate company selling the house is they then have to put that property in a local paper advertising the price that you've paid. It doesn't actually have to be a local paper. It just has to be a paper advertising the price that you're paying for that house and giving people notice that if they want to buy that property, they need to put a higher offer in and they'll accept a higher offer any time between when you've offered and you get to exchange now here's the problem somebody can come along and offer that higher price you've already started by having your valuation carried out which has cost you money you've possibly paid a bit to the broker that's cost you money you'll have spent you'll have organized your solicitor instructed them paid the initial fees to them cost you money and then somebody comes along and puts a higher offer in Now, if you're using an in-house mortgage broker with that agent, it is very likely that if somebody comes in that wants to view the house, if they're not going to use the in-house mortgage broker, the agents might well lose the keys. They might well not have the keys available and help you by not showing anybody that house until the point that you get to exchange. So that's a very good reason why you may use an in-house mortgage broker. So that's the seven tricks that you've got to be aware of when dealing with estate agents and letting agents. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Remember, we're live every Tuesday, the Progressive Property Podcast. It's available on iTunes and Stitcher. We're also, you can watch the recordings of the podcast on the Progressive Property YouTube channel. If you want to contact me, if you want to hear more, if you want to pitch any ideas for the podcast, any content you'd like me to discuss, then join the Progressive Property Facebook community. Tag me into a post in there and I'll get some of that content shared on the podcast in the coming weeks. Find me on social media, wherever you want. I'm Kevin MacDonald. You've been listening to the Progressive Property Podcast. You've been amazing. See you all next week. Hard work this.